Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And welcome to the BPD Bunch Brunch, where we get together with our favorite brunchy beverages to catch up, play games, and talk about all things BPD. I'm your host, Zanny, and today I am here with Celine. Celine, where are you coming from and what's your brunchy beverage? I'm coming from London, and my brunchy beverage is a oat milk hot chocolate in my fierce mug, which I love. I... I'm coming from Albuquerque, New Mexico in the U.S. I put uh, some lemons in water and I'm drinking it because I drink too many caffeinated beverages. So I'm trying to cut back and do more water. I also drink a lot of caffeinated beverages. Usually I come to brunch either with water or coffee, but I thought I'd go for something non-caffeinated too. Ooh, it's fancy. I like it. Well, today, Selena and I are going to have a conversation about living with both borderline personality disorder and struggling with an eating disorder because that is something that both of us have in our history. So to sort of set the scene, Celine, can you share a little bit about your BPD-ED journey? So it started probably when I was a child. Um in small forms of self-harm where I would skip food or I'd purge to make myself sick when I felt like I didn't deserve food. And that would usually be after a pretty nasty telling off from my dad, who was my sole caregiver. But I never really thought much of it. And growing up, we would really only have one meal a day because my dad didn't really do breakfast. And for some reason, he didn't really do lunch either. So I kind of didn't really see it as an issue for a long time because I was in an environment where probably my parent was displaying disordered eating behaviours. And then when I was in my 20s after a relationship breakup, it, it came about from me being depressed and not hungry um, around that time. And I lost a lot of weight sort of naturally, as you do when you're when you're down and your appetite is suppressed. And that's when it became a problem because then it was about the numbers on the scale and I wanted to keep it down and I wanted to keep it going down. And I liked how it felt when I saw that I'd lost weight and the, the comments that I would get. And that's when it became more of a sort of problem in its own right rather than a form of self-harm. So it was about three to four months after my BPD anxiety and depression diagnosis that I was then seen and treated for my eating disorder, which was diagnosed as EDNOS. So that stood for eating disorder not otherwise specified 
the reason I was given for that was that I wasn't cl- clinically um, underweight at the time. So they put me in a catch-all category. Um, that's how it came about. And I, I had a couple of tough years with the eating disorder behaviours. I would say I'm recovered now from the behaviours, but I still struggle with the kind of thoughts. Yeah, it's interesting because my eating disorder journey was very intentional. Um, I didn't even know what disordered eating really was until I learned about it in health class when I was in early years of high school. What was interesting about um, my health class was like they were just showing these really extremely emaciated people, people who were acting in these very very extreme ways and so I sat there going like well I just won't be that bad you know that won't happen to me I remember having this thought like they they were really unhealthy with they just couldn't control themselves and I'll do it better ha uh yeah I ended up in partial inpatient hospitalization for it several times in my mid-20s I stopped acting on the behaviors really at all by the end of my 20s I would say I stopped really thinking about stuff like I used to have a real trouble looking at food and being incapable of not counting calories they would just like sort of show up in my mind and now I don't do that at all I have to work to think what something is and that's pretty cool because I never I never thought that that would happen yeah, that's great. It's funny how your brain kind of reconditions when you really work at it. Yeah, isn't that isn't that wild? How do you feel like the eating disorder behavior and the BPD overlapped or intertwined or how did they affect each other for you? I think my eating disorder has is definitely almost like a branch off my BPD. So I sort of see it as a bit of an umbrella for borderline personality disorder being sort of the main one being emotional dysregulation and struggling to cope with with those emotions and, and vocalize them and process them. With the eating disorder, I guess it started as a coping mechanism. It was a maladaptive coping mechanism for me um, and a form of self-harm that I'd kind of seen my dad model. He went on a hunger strike when my mother broke up with him for 40 days he didn't eat and I was only seven at the time so I don't really remember it but clearly it affected my subconscious in a way that that's what you do when you're sad um or to show people that you're in distress and and so it became sort of part of my normal coping mechanisms until it became a real issue um so for me, it definitely stems from my BPD. If I didn't have those problems regulating and communicating emotions, or if they weren't so suppressed when I was younger for, for someone else's needs, my primary caregiver's needs, um, I'm not sure that would have played out as it did. My CPTSD and my BPD tend to be my sort of main disorders, because I guess that's what I struggle with more day to day. But the ED does come and go in terms of how much it affects my life. But it I think it definitely stems from originally it stems from my emotions and inability to process them. Now it's more me looking at myself, feeling uncomfortable in my body. And perhaps that's a self-esteem or self-worth issue. It's definitely better than it was as I've worked on, on it in therapy, but it's still a problem. And I think it's less connected to my emotional state, although that will play a part. Yeah. What about you? I think ADHD is kind of the, the originator of most of the things. And I think growing up in a time where it wasn't really well understood, 
like what ADHD really was. And so then I experienced a lot of invalidation as a result of that, which sort of led into BPD. I had some body image issues as well. And I think sort of it started out as a way to try to, you know, on the surface to make myself look a certain way that I thought I'd be happy with. But I think really it was sort of driven by a need to control something because it was so hard for me to control my emotions, mm -hmm. control my attention. And it's almost like a form of emotion regulation sometimes. It's a substitute. When you don't have emotion regulation skills and you're a very sensitive person, sometimes like the eating disorder becomes the outlet for all of that. 100%. I would say I still struggle with wanting to act out by purging in the same way when I want to act out in self-harm. They tend to go together. Um, so it's definitely, I see it as a maladaptive coping mechanism in a way to process or channel distress. I have a bit of a strange relationship with anger. I don't really know where I'm at with it. I used to think that I didn't get angry. And I think maybe the acting out in ED behaviours and self-harm behaviours is maybe a result of me suppressing anger as a child. I have definitely used eating disorder behavior almost like twisted revenge against people when they hurt my feelings sometimes if somebody hurt my feelings I would be like I'm gonna go eat engage in eating disorder behavior and that'll show you show you what like now that I'm looking back on it the logic just like in the moment it made so much sense to me it was like I'm gonna use the fact that you care about me against you but like then I would go do these behaviors often in secret so it's not like they even knew, first of all. And, and second of all, I mostly was really only hurting myself. The reason I was smiling while you were talking was I completely relate. And it's that, like you say, it's very much twisted thinking or backward thinking. And for me, I put myself in the sort of DBT diagram of um, emotion mind, rational mind or logic mind and wise mind. When you're in fully emotion mind, you're not really engaging any of the logic. Um, and that's why it can be so backward too. And I very much have the same streak of kind of, I don't like this side of myself, but that revenge side where you want to show someone by hurting yourself and that you do it. It just doesn't, the logic isn't there because you're in emotion mind. Um, and it's something that I would say I, I feel quite a lot of shame about this sort of desire to to get revenge on people by hurting myself because it, it's not it's not effective it's not very nice it's very much emotion mind and that, that's the way I sort of think about it is that's what happens when I get into emotion mind and that's because I'm highly distressed and my brain isn't ra like rationalizing anything or operating in wise mind um and when I come back to wise mind like we are in now we can reflect and be like that was so odd. It didn't make any sense. So completely relate with that. Gosh, it's really weird to think about like the eating disorder stuff because I really just have, I, unless I'm talking to someone about eating disorders, I almost don't think about it anymore. And like what, what is really left, I think is more like just body dysmorphia because I don't really engage in any disordered eating problems. Um, but it is wild the the body dysmorphia is wild like I've learned that when I'm taking pictures of myself I have to like the best strategy for me 
is to take pictures of myself and not look at them for like a couple of days. And then, because if I look at them immediately, it's like I'm looking in the mirror and I will see all kinds of features exaggerated. But if I wait a couple of days, it's almost, even though it's still me, it's almost like I'm looking at pictures of somebody else uh, and I can see them more clear-headed. That's a really good strategy. Yeah, it's why I, I discovered it on accident because because I, I took a bunch of pictures and then I got distracted and I didn't look at them. And I was like, wow, I look so much better than I thought I did on the day I took these pictures. What's happening? And then I just kept like doing that on purpose. And I was like, oh, that's good. I try to remind myself with affirmations I've heard from other people who I value just remind myself like it's normal for your body to fluctuate it's normal for it to change as, as I get older so in my 30s my metabolism is going to slow down and sort of just reminding myself that and just what well, <laughs> I have a really good phrase from my little sister who's 15 and she says your clothes are supposed to fit your body not the other way around so your body's not supposed to fit your clothes your clothes are supposed to fit your body so that encourages me to just maybe buy a bigger size or change some of the things, the sort of style of clothes that I'm wearing. So that's how I tend to cope with it. Our bodies are always changing, ultimately. We are in control of our hygiene and in our food intake to some degree, but like our appearance is going to keep changing because as we get older, our body changes. And I think so I think accepting that however I look right now, is not how I'm going to look, you know, next year, five, 10 years from now. Like, I think I just had this realization one day where it was like, I'm working so hard to look a certain way, but even if I achieve it and, you know, keep doing all the things to maintain it, my body's going to keep changing of its own just because, because we're alive. Like we have a, we have a life cycle. Like I'm not going to look 25 forever. Um, I don't look 25 anymore. I'm in my mid thirties. Right. So, so I think that helped me to let go of the need to try to control it so much because it was like, that's a losing battle and working more on the self-acceptance, trying to be okay with doing the right things, regardless of how I feel about my body in that moment. Cause I may not always love my body, but I can at least appreciate what it does for me and accept that it gets me places. Acceptance has definitely been a big part of my journey as well. It was quite a big realization on how much our bodies change, not just as a human being, but as a woman. Um, and I'm a lot more accepting of the way my body might change week to week within a month cycle now, because I know that we have seasons, whether they be, you know, in a decade or in a month. Um, that your body is going to fluctuate and change. And that's been a big part of my journey as well. Thank you everyone so much for watching. I hope you got a nugget of wisdom to take with you on your journey. If you think this is a topic that you'd like us to explore further, definitely let us know in the comments. We can make this a full length main episode with more cast members and information in our fourth season next time. So let us know what you think. And make sure you like, subscribe, turn on your notifications so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next time. Bye.